0: we
1: is Bruce. This is
2: John. This is Blix. This is Trav. This is Rich. This is Shelly.
1: Welcome Shelly to the TriTac Games podcast. Your podcast of finding that you're in a strange world where things aren't quite real but you want them to be that way. No, Baka, darling. Uh, Trav why don't you introduce our guest tonight? This is a special moment for me, sort of also a bucket list thing. My daughter,
2: Michelle, some of you in my dementia show would know her as Shock, is joining us here tonight for the subject matter, which is adding anime tropes and conventions to various tri-tech games. Now, Shelly, really quick, your curriculum vitae as far as why I brought you into this. I'm
3: a weep.
0: <laughs>
2: Yes, what are your credentials? Yeah, what are your credentials? What's your cre- what's your geek cred as far as this goes?
3: Um, I've been going to con since before I was born, so there's that. And You're going <laughs> to
2: rub that into my face on here, okay. <laughs>
3: and um, uh, I've been going to Yomacon, which is the local anime convention since the second year it started, and I've never missed a year or
2: so. Uh, Detroit, for those of you who don't know where we come from, the local Detroit anime con. And also, you helped create the anime club for our alma mater, Belleville High.
3: Yeah, I helped, uh, my sophomore year, I helped create the anime club, which was going on for uh, up to, I believe, two years after I left, up until the teacher who was running it ended up going elsewhere. But um, it's carried on, and it's now actually going at the local library, and they still call and ask me to come up, and I'm kind (laughs) of like, ah.
2: Didn't you mentor some kids recently at Yomacon, the newer generation of anime club members, and you were kind of like mother henning them?
3: Yeah, I'm called con mom.
2: <laughs> okay, I like that.
3: I made sandwiches for everyone, and I uh, gave them all my phone numbers. Oh, and-
2: God, that is a con mom. Did you cut the cross off the bread, too?
3: No, they're all big kids. They can do that themselves. <laughs> all I did was cut it into little pieces for them so they didn't choke.
2: All righty. So, as I said, we're doing... Adding anime tropes and conventions to various tri games. games.
1: One last thing, uh, Shelley. Uh, did your mom actually have to leave a convention in order to give birth to you? Extra credit if she didn't actually leave the convention. No. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Dad, why don't you tell me?
2: Huh? <laughs> All right. We'll give you an eviction notice, yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> That's true.
3: That I put my birthday right during a convention. Hey, my birthday's during Yomakon. See,
2: Trav's limited powers of synchronicity. You see how that works? Yeah, there we
3: go. Now I can get drunk at Yomakon, and it's a birthday <laughs> present.
2: All right, all right. Let, let's get back on track
1: here. So your birthday present of your daughter is a bar tab. Is that what you're telling us, Trav? I don't have to pay it. I don't care.
2: <laughs> she, she's I don't got have to it. pay it
3: either.
2: What are you talking about? It's my birthday. And <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, see, daughter trap. People give you drinks. Anyways, all right. Let's let's get back Maybe to it. All a-
1: right. So in um, in gaming, uh, there's a large number of people who are also anime fans. Okay, and there are a number of uh, game systems out there which purport themselves to be directed toward the anime player. And uh, one of which uh, was known as Big um, Big Eye, Small Mouth, and I'm sure there's a number of other ones out there.
2: Um, there's also, I believe, I want to say Art, Art House, Lorian Games, Teenagers from Outer Space. Uh, we're really going back,
4: and they have Wait, Bubblegum oh, Crisis.
0: Oh yeah, that uh, and, too.
4: And I, and I backed.
0: <laughs> uh, see, I backed OVA, which is a uh, very, very, very much a Japanese uh, anime, and also. Let's see. What else have I backed up? Oh, uh, there's a, one of that's busy waiting to come out is Magical Burst. It's a, mag- a magical girl game. So, yeah, there's a bunch out
4: there. Oh, and I imagine uh, Artal's uh Mecton qualifies as well, right?
1: Oh, God, yeah. I forgot all about that. That's another one, yes. Blix, yes. Well, and, of course, if you do Robotech, then, you know, from Palladian, then, but that doesn't mean that it's actually – you written to capture that spirit of anime. Now, it, you know, when I say that, of course, I tell a lot of people that anime is not a genre. It's a, it's basically it's animation. It's just a, a different way of telling a story using you know things that are animated that are they're drawn. Okay, just like manga isn't isn't different than running a novel, it's just that, you know, the, the, they're taking advantage of a picture's worth a thousand words, you know, to cut you through a thousand words of writing. Okay, so, but again, they're not exactly the same. However, I did seem to find, from all the anime that I've watched, and I have watched a lot, and I'm sure nothing likes Shelley, because, you know, this is something I've been doing ever since I was introduced to it back when I first came to Atlanta about 25 years ago, And, of course, I I watched anime before, not really realizing I was watching anime when I watched Prince Planet and Marine Boy and, of course, Speed Racer. But I was looking through all this saying, is there anything we can talk about that say, hey, if you wanted to bring that anime flair, whatever it is that makes anime anime to you, and of course it is going to be different by different groups depending upon the kind of anime they prefer, the kind of stories they like to watch in anime, what kind of things are there that if you played Fringeworthy, okay, or Euro 13 or any of the other ones, uh, but I was looking at a primary through the lens of Fringeworthy, what would you bring into, what would you be ex- expecting to be part of your game of uh, th- that would have that flavor, that have that friction that you would say, oh, yeah, yeah, that was just like that anime that I just watched, or, hey, I remember an anime. Now, we don't want to spend our entire time doing that, by the way, saying everything that we talk about, well, that's just like this anime because then this podcast will take four hours. Uh, but um, we do want to try to cover that. There isn't actually any, you know, succinct Definition of anime, other than the fact is animation stories that come out of Japan, right, guys?
0: Yep. It's not cartoons.
1: Okay. Um, I'm not going to argue that point. Yeah, yeah.
0: There are people who will, will, will argue that if you, you say oh, it's a cartoon. Mm, no. Well, yeah, of course, uh, the, the Yamadas is a cartoon. So, yeah.
1: Right. Well, we're talking about primarily an animated story that is should be would if it was done as live action would be considered normal i mean it would be considered to have all the aspects that you'd expect out of drama out of a film of a live action film a live action television show you'd expect all those things they have them in an anime okay plus Usually a lot of uh, additional elements that only now television is being able to incorporate because the price of special effects has gotten to the point where they can have special video effects all over the place. But before then, it was a lot cheaper to draw starships and galaxy-wide explosions and girls pu- prying themse- pulling themselves out of black holes at, and other types of things that you find in anime will only happen in an animated picture because they literally would be impossible to afford to film any other way.
4: Yeah, yeah. With with Sharktopus, we got to see tentacles in action. <laughs> right. Well,
1: as I said, now with you know animation, uh, special effects getting really cheap, you know, you can have, relatively speaking, of course, you can have some really. Uh, ridiculously cheap stuff i mean i remember when they were complaining about the fact that star trek was uh, a million dollars an episode and they didn't have anything animated i mean they their special effects were with all were basically filming models and put and doing practical stuff and that was costing them enormous amounts of money and you know i i i think that they have I don't know if they went down in price or whether they just kept raising the bar because as special effects became cheaper, they kept adding more and more of them.
0: Babylon Five was one of the first, you know, computer-generated shows. It still cost the same because yeah, because they still had to do a lot of practical effects. But but it turned out to do to do proper animation at the time, you needed almost a supercomputer to get it done within the season. So yeah, it still was expensive. And this is why they used. Amigas to do it, yeah, and the server farm Amigas too to do it because each one was doing like three seconds of animation
1: distributed networks are making a lot of things that previously were impossible to do possible and it's even possible in the future that they may these kinds of prices maybe come down even more so because people you know you could have like Kickstars where people actually offer their computer on a time-sharing basis kind of thing saying you know you send me a file I will run your program to process it and hand it back to you and save money that way I mean with the way the internet is available and the way people are connected you know that kind of thing is becoming very doable and there's a lot of animation a lot of anime that includes a mix of two-dimensional and three-dimensional animation which the first time i saw it i kind of had to go hmm but then i said yeah it's fine you know i i mean you know the two-dimensional wasn't any more or less realistic than the three-dimensional it was just you know you just kind of get used to seeing it and after that it's you concentrate on the story just like in anything else
2: yeah, Robotech The Shadow Chronicles, which I think it came out in 08 or 09, was a good example of 2 and 3D animation together, because you had the normal animation cells, and then during all the mecha and space battles, that was all 3D animation.
1: So that they did that pretty seamlessly. Things, blocky things like spaceships, you know, and star fields and things like that, that's very, that lends itself to computer animation. But things like people's faces and, you know, uh, the complex interactions of movement amongst individuals tends to be better done as a 2D because the people who do that, who are experienced in doing that, already exist and they have the talent.
0: There was a Ghost in the Shell uh, 2.0 where they replaced a lot of the old uh, anima- animation with computer generated animation, eh, it was okay, but you could tell it was the computer generated stuff. But then when he did Innocence, you couldn't because, and there was a lot of computer animation in Innocence, but they basically learned a lot of, of practice. Basically, they learned a lot of mistakes they made doing the Ghost in the Shell 2.0. And then when he did Ghost in the Shell Innocence, you can't tell that most of that background, most of those set pieces, they're they're computer generated.
2: I don't know if you guys remember the movie. It came out, it had theatrical release. It
1: was an all CGI
2: Final Fantasy film.
1: Yeah. Uh Advent's Children. That was one of them. And also and and all the ones having to do with um Resident Evil. They've had a couple of Resident Evil films that were also fully CGI animated. Oh, the look my daughter is giving right now, like I don't want to talk about that. Just
2: yeah, we, don't,
0: we don't discuss that. <laughs> I am just. From, uh, what's what's the other Shiro um series? Because this Ghost in the Shell, then there's actually one that's technically a sequel to Appleseed, the Appleseed movies.
2: Oh God, I haven't seen
1: those in ages. Oh man, no, we're talking about the ones that are CGI. Trav. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay.
0: yeah the recent batch of CGI, which they're all CGI, but they're done in they're done in anime style. The they thing, the biggest problem with Final Fantasy is that they wanted they wanted to be very lifelike. And it just had, they they were just shy of the uncanny valley effect on some some of the characters.
2: Yeah, the movie uh, just did not do well. I mean, it had some big voiceover names. I mean, like legitimate actors doing both. And just how it looked, it just didn't wash with people. And it basically was a flop, sadly.
1: I have an opinion on that movie since I saw it. I basically watched about half of it and stopped because their action scenes were so kinetic, so you know, zipping here, zipping there that I literally couldn't figure out what was going on after a period of time. It
2: was too ADHD, yeah. Yeah,
1: it was just was it was just too motion intensive and I was kind of like saying, "Hey, can you just like hold the camera in one spot for a while so I can see them fight?" oh okay so it's like watching somebody playing a first-person shooter and they're swinging around and after about five minutes you get that sweaty forehead and you start feeling motion sickness that's how i was feeling watching that film If, if, if by any chance i am a considerable you know a representative member of the audience you just lost that piece of the audience Oh. Yeah,
0: and the thing is, there later on the because the, they have done other Final Fantasy little shorts and pieces. the all of them were much that much were much better. Because again, I, they they learned. You know, here's a very expensive mistake, and hey, here's what you got to do to make sure you do you don't do it again.
3: That was their second mistake. The first one was the Spirit Within.
1: Yeah, right. Uh, I saw that one, and I I liked it. It was a little ethereal. Yeah, I, that was the one that had the theatrical release I was referring to. Oh, okay. Yeah, I re- I'd forgotten about that one, but yes, yeah, you're, you're right. I, I, I watched that on DVD, and it was very pretty. Um, I, I thought it was a little low on substance, you know, uh, but other than that, it was nice.
0: Yeah.
1: Not terribly compelling is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It was more like I was watching a movie where they were going, look what we can do. It's almost real. Yeah,
2: that's kind of um, the vibe I got from it when I watched it years ago. But
0: well, then what Don Bluth did, Titan AE, which varies obviously done with CGI. <laughs> For ships. Titan AE I mean, was awesome. I like that. Oh yeah, but but the animation, Beautiful. but you, but you could tell they were doing CGI ships. Yeah, they weren't yeah, hiding yeah, yeah. that fact very well.
4: <laughs> right that was during that was during an age where they were doing they were experimenting studios were experimenting a lot with the the mixed 2D and 3d and I think they've gotten away from that because it doesn't
0: no no they're still doing it but now they've learned how
4: to cell shade all that, that animation oh right okay yeah no no're you're, you're right you're right but I mean what I was talking yeah. about was like just your, your regular 3d rendering with 2d and it just it doesn't really work but you're right with the, shell, the cell shading it works out okay. We're not here
1: to bash any version of anime. Okay? We're looking for you know, the 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 anime that we really like, you know, because that's what people are going to want to do when they do an RPG. They're not going to say, "Well, hey, you know, there's this anime I really hate, and it, you know, is really done badly." And let's do that in our fringe-worthy game. They're not going to do that. Okay, it's going to be the ones they love. Okay, so you know, we, we need to get back to our topic, which is what are the things about anime that are in anime stories, especially you know, manga and also anime, that would be something that you'd want to include uh, in Fringeworthy or Bureau 13 or any of the other TriTag games.
5: We have a linkage directly from the early days straight into Fringeworthy to Teenagers from Outer Space. If you look in Teenagers from Outer Space, you'll see an IDET Explorer standing in a line... In one of the fast food lines, which was done by Scott Ruggles.
1: I I basically took the the various aspects that I was looking at, and I broke them into three categories. Cultural, social, and as if life itself was an RPG. Most current anime have a story that they're telling over the length of their episodes, and it's usually 12 or 13 episodes
3: in a series there's typically multiple arcs there's one like one end goal for the anime but there's always going to be like for these 20 episodes we're going to do this arc for these 20 episodes we're going to touch on this for these and we're going to try and finish you know this part of the story after these 20 episodes and then we're going to just move on and there's like like two or three filler episodes where there's trying to transition into a new storyline
2: but all of those storylines are part of the goal of meeting the end goal of the episode.:
3: yeah, but, yeah, some of them are, but okay, like some of them but- it's called I guess it's kind of technically considered considered a filler episode, but it's mostly like now we've finished this part, we're not really going to touch on it again until maybe we'll mention it like in the last three episodes. okay.
1: As far as these filler episodes are concerned, when they're done right, just like in regular television series, they're done to expose an uh, important aspect. Of one of the characters that should bring more to the the overall series. Savage Worlds as a system calls those interludes, and they encourage people to do that every once in a while. That you go and you look at one of the players and you say, "Okay, tell us a story, uh, you know, about your background, you know, so that the other players can learn something about your character, so that you can play your character richer and deeper." And in a lot of these anime, people are just doing stuff and you don't know why they're doing it. And then all of a sudden they will have one of these vignettes where they talk, they they, they do a flashback or they have a talk with somebody when they're on the middle of the beach episode or whatever it might be. But it's an opportunity to bring, you know, some character development and that can actually radically change the story because there's a lot of a number of anime out there where it started off as having a particular tone and it ends with a completely different tone i mean from comedy to tragedy and when you have these series that are only 12 episodes long or 13 episodes then you know this these are moments of great revelation you know and yeah. and, and i'm not saying it doesn't happen in other types of things but it's something that you notice you know, because in, in a 12-episode series, you'd think it would be bam, 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 pushing that storyline, beating that drum. But in fact, is a lot of times they don't do that. They just, you know, they, they, they seem to have these episodes where nothing seems to happen. You know, but in those but the good ones have in those episodes, that's where they do the character development, brings the, the gravitas to the end of the story of, of the series in a way that it wouldn't have done if they hadn't included it. Bruce,
5: one thing about this is sociologically, this is happening everywhere. On TV, the TV shows like The Flash, uh, like Daredevil. I'm watching Daredevil, and I'm getting into the characters. I'm enjoying the kingpin. God knows why.
1: Well, there's just so much of him. It's hard not to enjoy any of it. Wow. (laughs) But the character...
5: And uh, a lot of the other shows that are coming on, and yeah, as long as they're a series, they do have those those in between episodes, but they're always carrying those story arcs. And usually, there's two or three story arcs, and like I said, one will be prominent, and then two more will be there
1: too. Yeah, in Star Trek, they had the A story and the B story on each episode. Under the first category, under cultural, okay, which really applies a lot to things like Fringeworthy, because you have this group of people who have this big job to do, okay, and one of the things that I've noticed in a lot of anime is mission participation or completion is a result of national or family obligation, in other words, you, you just don't, aren't doing it because it's a good idea. You're doing it because if you don't, then like your family, you know, will be dishonored or your nation will fall behind the other nations. There, there seems to be a lot of extra punch. And we talked about this, about having other people give you uh, uh, goals, you know, uh, you know not your character giving yourself your own goals and so this is what is very, I find this very common in anime where uh, all of a sudden somebody is, is, is basically said you know you're not just doing this for yourself it's more than just you're doing it for the species it's very specific it's like your family you know will lose its place on the on the council or you know will have to sell your little sister into sla- uh, slavery uh, or sell a kidney if you don't get this job done there's like this incredible gravitas that falls on the characters because of these other obligations, especially family, especially national, especially some kind of organization that seems to have some kind of power over, you know, over your, your group or the people that you care about.
0: Oh, a great one is uh, from a more recent anime, uh, Girls Panzer, where it's save the school ship from being closed down because well they're not doing so well and they need to re- and they need to restart up sensodo which is uh the art of tankery yes it's a mo it's called it's a, a very specific genre it's called moe it's a moe show but instead of your traditional moe type type shows moe means cute cuteness you know it's a version of cuteness it's girls and tanks fighting in tanks and it's 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 great it's a
1: Fighting other girls in tanks.
0: Yes, and it's one of the few tank times you get to see tank drifting. <laughs> like like I mean, like Tokyo Drift.
1: Yes, like racing. You might not think it's possible, but you know it's. Uh, yeah, I watched some of the episodes of that. It was cute, yeah, as you said. But uh, yeah, so so here you have a group of people who really are are in, should be inconsequential. Okay, however, all of a sudden they find themselves under this huge obligation they don't do this and we're not talking about people who are like the the elite of the elite all of a sudden you know they're just a club who's supposed to be doing tank battles on this aircraft carrier that's actually a, a an entire community's home and and all of a sudden they you know the entire life of the of the community is now based upon whether they do well
0: yeah i have to point out that the- Aircraft carrier, you got to put air quotes on that, is 1.7 kilometers long. It's huge.
1: Is that bigger than normal?
0: Yeah. 1.7 kilometers? Yeah. That's close to a mile.
1: I know what it is, but I'm just saying is that I don't know what the size of most modern aircraft carriers are.
0: Uh, the uh, the Nimitz, I think, is one of the bigger ones. Is only like two football fields. At best?
1: Well, yeah, like I said, it was an entire community. It was gigantic, gargantuan. Yes. And, and that is actually something I didn't put in here, you know, where things are a lot bigger than you'd normally expect them to be.
0: And it was one of these smaller high school ships. Oh, boy.
1: Okay. <laughs> I got the feeling when I was watching it, when they did that back thing away from it, showing it, that, that something had happened and everybody lived on these gigantic ships now. But I, I wasn't sure. Oh,
0: there's actually there's some backstory. And unfortunately, one thing they do with OVAs is that they'll have these little bits that are on the DVD. They're not actually broadcast. And they explain what a lot of background. They do a lot of background stuff. So for the girls in Panza, they actually have uh, about uh, uh, 12 or so bits that explain the background of the ship and why they're doing this. So there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of background that's not in the in the show because it's not important. But they still explain it because they did their world building. They want to make sure you see their world building.
1: Most fringe worthy games, you've got basically a disparate bunch of people. They put them together. They throw them out on a mission. You know whether they succeed or fail doesn't really seem to matter a whole lot. But in anime, it always matters. Yep. I mean, I mean, they may screw up a couple of times, but ultimately it's gonna sooner or later you know it's gonna come down to something that matters, and that's and that's driving part of the uh, of the drama, which is of course that you have a fledgling team. They're gonna need to bond together and become effective because sooner or later it's going to matter. I find that a lot in anime, so and, and probably other stories too. You know, they have to do a team building. So the second thing uh, under culture I have is parents are absent this is where they're they're not there for comedic effect okay which is happens in a bunch of anime but most of the time i find that the parents are not there Either you know they're they, they're working such long hours that you never see them. They're there, they're there theoretically, but the main characters are always coming home to an empty house, or they're coming home and they have to like cook, do all the cooking and cleaning for their siblings because the parents are never there. They're off working either long hours or they're out of the country or they're doing something. And you know, and, and you may in a series you may never ever see any of the parents. Yeah, Charles Schultz
5: pioneered that with peanuts.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Exactly. And and of course, a lot of times they're dead, and I never understand the the financial aspects of that because it always seems like you know, unless of course their parents were filthy rich, in which case that now the kids are dealing with this enormous inheritance they have to deal with, and you know, usually for comedic effect.
0: Occasion, on occasion, sometimes the kids are going to a high school not in their hometown, right. which is normal in Japan. That's actually one of the things. When you graduate from middle school, you're going to go to a high school, and that high school you may be out in the middle in, in the middle of Japan, but you're going to Tokyo for to high school, and you're just going, not the family
1: yeah i mean you get you could be sent off to another school so your parents again they're still absent you know they're you, you you might get a phone call from them mostly you get get a letter you know uh and and even when you go home for vacation a lot of times you don't see' them. okay so it's it's that's a, a so, that kind of isolation, you're on your own, uh, It's it, that's something that we have in. Um, you, you would have that in, in Fringeworthy, but probably only if you were doing the fringe born type of, uh, of of campaign where you wanted to, to talk about them, go, basically going to an academy for fringeworthy children, trying to make them into great explorers. So, of course, they're being drawn from a hundred you know, hundred different comp, uh, countries all being sent to, cause there's only going to be like one or two or three from any country. So they all send them to one school and all of their parents are people that they either never see, you know, or if they do, it's, it's kind of like a, yeah, do well, son, or, or, or you know, they'll make us proud daughter.
0: We got to go on a mission. So we'll be back in a week, maybe two, maybe three, you know, uh, I, I'm also thinking oh, in Bureau 13, <laughs> Richard, idea, Bureau 13
5: Tots. (laughs) John, we're already there about Robert Harrison, his (laughs) wife, the White Witch, and their son. And that's part of a quarter of a story that's finished right now.
0: I mean, there's a potential team in Bureau 13 made of teenagers, the children of uh, Bureau agents.
5: My father. Go ahead. Was the government agency or we worked for a secret government agency? my mother was a witch ah and the in and the in laws are crazy <laughs> yeah.
4: well well let me let me bring this up so like for a lot of good stories you know the the you have the whole joseph campbell thing where the 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 child becomes an adult and yep. grows and takes the place. I see this as a um
1: the journey of the hero
4: yeah the, the journey of the hero I see there's a standard trope. And, and let's face it, a lot of stories that, that people get turned on to when it comes to science fiction or anime or whatever are people who are coming of age and they like stories about them, you know, about that, – that they can relate to. Harry so Potter. S- right. Right. So I, I would say that, that that's just a good Catcher in the It's a good f- fictional trope mm. just in general.
1: And you, and you will see that. Uh, The challenge in in games like Fringeworthy and Bureau 13, because they are a group game, is that you can't have the one hero. They all have to be heroes that are going through the journey.
3: Well, like a good example of that, one of the more recent um, animes that came out, Attack on Titan, you have all of these these people who um, their homes are being destroyed by these giant, mostly naked uh, (laughs) creatures, and they're destroying their lives, you know, killing their families kind of things. And they all have to band together, and there's not just one person that can really stand alone. Of course, they're going to have, like, that one person who, you know, is really good at this, one person that's really great at that. But n- decent attack cannot be done by just one person. You can't have that one hero, because if you have someone that wants to go and play the hero, they get killed. They'll kill them yeah. off in a heartbeat. Like, they just, it's, that serious, everybody dies. It's brutal. Yeah.
0: Yes. And don't forget the one person who likes potatoes really a lot, really a lot.
3: Hey, I cosplayed her last year for (laughs) Yomacan. I had a bag of potatoes too. I mean,
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely uh, um, an aspect of the team is more important than the individual. And this is part of, I think, Japanese culture, you know, because they're big on the team As a matter of fact, is that the standard way of business in Japan is that before you make a decision, you talk to your superior, you talk to your subordinate, and then you make a decision based upon the input you got. You know, there's no... Lone Ranger kind of things, or if they, you know, that's that's not how it's done. Now, of course, there may be some appeal to that in a story because you've got this one individual making these gigantically important decisions. But usually, when they do that, they usually there's the, the group basically has hard things to say about that, like you know, why didn't you talk to the rest of us? Why don't we going off and doing things like that? Because usually someone dies, especially in anime. It's a lot of death. And Bruce, you're
5: absolutely right on Japanese culture. It is not a culture of individuals. It is a, it's a culture of groups.
1: But that's also one reason why sometimes you do have some of those characters who seem to be, you know, they're, they're grounded in a group, but they have a lot of opportunity for personal uh, excellence. You know, and and to a certain extent, the, the uh, they w- they'll tr- a lot of times they'll try to say yes, you're really good because of the group. You know, uh, in uh, in in American cinema, we could point to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know, Buffy wouldn't be able to do what she does is as, as amazing as she is if she didn't have, you know, the uh, Scooby Gang. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So uh, teachers. Um, there are teachers in a lot of anime, okay, or, uh, you know, an individual who acts like a teacher, one person who relates as, as a, the guiding person to the rest of them, but everybody else pretty much is missing, you know, superiors, government... You know they don't really—they're not really there. You know, there's the oversight doesn't seem to be there. You don't see the the, the informal or even formal lines of of, of communication that you find in, in real life, okay? Except as nameless threats. You know, the, 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 if we don't do it right, then you know the Genom is going to you know, have us for breakfast one of these days.
0: Yeah, or the only teacher you ever see is some guy who likes to take his clothes off. I'm referring well, to kill Hill. kill. Yeah.
1: That's a good example where they, they make a point of the leaders, the school board advocating. They says so-and-so, you know, this, this, the, who's the head of the school uh, council, you know, the, the student council, her parents are on the school board. So it doesn't matter what we do because, you know, they, they they'll do anything that she tells them to do. So they've, it, totally emasculated themselves and, and and eliminated themselves so you don't see them again. You're just the one teacher who's basically rocking the boat secretly and you see him. One of the ones that I really like because I've been seeing a bunch of them is where they do, you've been paired with somebody unexpected and must succeed as a team. Oh, I see that one <laughs> right. That That's pure fringe worthy
2: right there because of... The random sampling you get with Fringeworthy, you're thrown together with, especially in the early campaign, they just put together teams of people. They couldn't be choosy saying, well, we've done psychological profiles and this team would be best. No, in the early campaign, you were thrown together with a very wide random assortment of characters and hey, guess what? You're now an IDA team, and you have to go, you know, two nodes over.
0: First come, first serve, more or less. Yeah. Basically, as, as you find them, you're building a team.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's that's very anime storyline, and I mean, I was watching this one. They tell her, he says, "You, we're going to throw you out in the middle. Of the, the first person you see, she's that, that's going to be your teammate for the rest of the of the semester." So everyone's, like, trying desperately to to end up with the people they want to be with. But, of course, you know, the, the people who end up in this team literally shouldn't be together.
2: Bruce, RWBY? Yes. Yeah, oh, I saw the video for that, the girl with the side shotgun. Her name's Ruby. Her name is Ruby. Ruby.
1: Ruby. Yep.
2: Yeah, I saw that, that clip. And just of her using that weapon against the werewolves. And it's like, yeah, I got to find this one. This is. Six minutes
1: per episode. Okay. All right. But it's very anime. But it has, like I said, it has all those aspects of people, disparate people being thrown together. And we're going to talk some more about, because that's, that's a good example, about some of these so, the social aspects that are part of anime that are ex- exhibited in this kind of a thing. But yeah, that's, uh, that, that whole being paired with somebody unexpected and must succeed as a team, uh, that's, they do that in Robotech. They do that in uh, uh, just a, just a, a, a bunch of stuff. Heck, that's been the past four or five of my role-playing campaigns. Especially if these are people who have special abilities that they literally are thrown as uh, they're thrown together because we're forming a team of people with special abilities, and here they all are. You know, I mean, you in America, you just look at the X-Men and just go, "Oh yeah, there you go." Yeah. But again, uh, using the whole Japanese cultural aspect of it, even the worst person, as in like. As far as their personality is concerned, as far as their ethics and ethos, even the worst person will sacrifice themselves if if it involves an honorable or noble death.
2: I still think that's a Japanese, that is a cultural thing where, yeah, you may have done these bad things, but still, the fact how you go out will bring honor to your name and family. It's like, yeah, he did all these things, but he sacrificed himself and saved a busload of people or whatever. Right, so we'll
3: forgive him for some small things. He was still overall kind of a jerk, but we'll forgive him for the most part. Is kind of how they because did. he went
2: out with a yeah. bang and helped these people. Yeah,
3: right.
1: And that actually links right to number eight, which is success equals pardon. Yeah, and I did that more because there's a lot of times where it's it's people are are bad people or they're they they're they're prisoners or whatever, and but if they do this, then all will be forgiven. Suicide um, Squad. Um, I was thinking of Dead Man. Actually, who- I'm thinking
0: Kill a Kill. Yeah, her wow. outfit commits suicide.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. I hadn't seen the end of it. <laughs> oh, so, spoilers, <laughs> damage on. <it>,
0: <laughs> <laughs> or the yeah, or well, the ending. That's or, not spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, spoilers. Like, well, this one's been out for a while. Guren Lagan, That also no. has a, a very similar I- ending. You don't necessarily have to die,
1: right? So you know, again, you you have people who you know, have made mistakes in their life, or they come from the wrong side of the street. I mean, people are looking at them askance because of one reason or another. But if they succeed at what it is that the that the group values, then always forgiven. You know, I mean, you could have literally been done terrible things, but you're okay because. You did what the group values, and that's that's very very uh, Japanese culture. Well, they have a lot of animal spirits, you know. I mean, and therefore having people who have some link to an animal is very is also very common. Yeah, I believe the term is henge yokai. Yeah.
0: Yes, in fact, there's a uh, there's a, actually an RPG called Golden Sky Stories, which is all about hang- henge. Uh, you you play imagine you play animals that can turn into people and back again, and uh, it's very nonviolent. In fact, the the, the game says you have to, if you start fighting people, you're doing it wrong. You're here to help. You're not here to hurt people.
5: It's <sighs> so. okay. Much like the uh, the anime I just picked up about a guy, a, a ghost of a samurai who turns into a coffee machine.
0: <laughs> <Sorry>. uh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute! A wear percolator?
5: No, no, a uh, full stand-up coffee machine.
0: Oh, oh is sort there like uh that uh, uh what the guy where the guy t- reincarnates as a snowman? Okay, I'm on a very different part of the internet. I have no.
3: Idea what I'm about. <laughs> you
1: you find that people either co- either they come from really filthy rich backgrounds. Or they need a part-time job just to feed themselves, and it doesn't matter what they're doing. I mean, even if they work for like some organization, a lot of times there's, they're taking a part-time job anyways. You know, and and there's always that one kid who basically, you know, what he does whatever he wants to because his he he ends up like giving the school a whole new building after the end of each adventure because he's trashed one of them.
0: That actually sounds like Tenchi. He's both rich and he he also does, goes out of his way to, to you know sweep these shrines and yeah. even I think get a job in Tenshi and Tenshi in Tokyo
1: well no actually I I think you're wrong about Tenshi but I don't want to argue the point uh, yeah. I was actually thinking about I believe girls Bravo where oh there's this ridiculous guy in in the class who's you know flamboyant always trying to get on with the girls and inevitably something happens and he like Ends up having to completely resurface, you know, put a whole new pool in or he decides to put a whole new pool in. And the, and and again, the absent, you know, le- uh, school board or whatever says, yeah, whatever you want to do. And so, you know, the, the bulldozers appear one day, dig a pool, line it, do the whole thing impossibly in one day. And then they're having some super Olympics so if you wanted to do this in like either friendsworthy or and actually this would actually might be a little better to do in bureau 13 but uh because a lot of times people need resources in Bureau Thirteen, and they don't have it, especially if you're kind of stingy with it. in my campaigns, I always gave them the five everybody had their five thousand dollar credit limit on their under credit card you know uh not not the uh Pilata idea that you've got a credit card that you can use to pay for any one thing, no matter what it costs, okay, so they were always like, oh, "Okay, we got about thirty thousand dollars to work with, and there'd be this one guy going, "Oh yeah." um did i tell you i was the son of a billionaire um what do you need and so <laughs> you could you could bring that in if you wanted to let that character and richard actually talks about those kinds of characters in his examples of characters where you know one one week they might be a vagrant the next week they're this you know the the son of a billionaire you know the head of a major corporation you know it might be nice to have a little consistency in your character, but. I'm just saying is that such things are very possible in both the Bureau 13 and the Fringeworthy game.
2: Well, we we also did the episode about super rich characters. Uh, My former co-host, Eric the Enabler, Eric Sparr, had the character Jonathan Michael Price IV, (laughs) whose running joke was, nice building, does it come in blue? Filthy rich where, you know, his cufflinks were more than what any Bureau agent would make in their lifetime. You know, I mean, just...
3: But he also had
2: family money. Well, yeah, he was old money, but then he
1: learned to make his own. But yeah, yeah he was that type of filthy rich character. Right. And you have filthy rich characters in a lot of anime. Yeah. Side by side with the guy that's having to work, you know, for, you know uh, to, to earn money on the side. And sometimes, you know, they, they, they treat them, you know, they, they, they play up the whole economic difference. But most of the time, they get along. Well, again, we're back to the
2: group, the Japanese concept of their group dynamic where, yeah, you may all have differences about you, but you are a gestalt. You are here to make up something that is some better than the sum of the parts.
1: A lot of times when you have negative dynamics where you have, where like some, there's this person, he's kind of hated or everyone's afraid of them him or something like that. If you show that person respect, you will gain their loyalty, even if you know they're really they're, you really don't have anything in common. It's it's that's again that's the Japanese social aspect of you know you that someone who's who's who shows you respect you know th- is you you have to answer it you have to respond to it you just can't just say well fine you know I, I'm I'm you know I I'm going to ignore you even though you're you know, constantly trying to bring me into the group. You know, it's sooner or later you have to respond positively and join the group in some fashion. And usually that person ends up being, of course, a linchpin to the success of whatever the goal of the anime might be.
3: Oh, I think I have a pretty good example for that, seeing as I have no life. Um, So there is a... I have no life. <laughs> so there is one uh, anime that's a little bit newer, because that seems to be where my forte is recently. Um, it's uh, one of the sports animes for volleyball. And uh, there's one character who he's uh, he's probably one of the best players there is, and he just, everybody kind of hates him. And, of course, there's the one person who uh, he spikes the ball all the time, and he's super short, And he shows him enough respect to say, I really don't like you, but you're probably one of the best players that there is on any team ever. And uh, they start working together and, you know, they uh, end up making it to the championships and everything. But everyone on the team realizes, okay, if we show him a little bit of respect, maybe he'll start coming into the team, even if he doesn't really want to. And he starts, you know, accepting that there are teammates and he can use his teammates from then on.
0: Yeah, and that just reminded me of uh, that just reminded me of another pairing, Tiger and Bunny. Oh yes, <laughs> Bunny, Bunny, Bunny was they're superheroes, and you know, and, and actually, it's not Bunny, but uh, he actually goes by his name. But the Tiger is another, an older superhero who gets teamed up with the person who has the exact same powers as he does, and he calls him Bunny. Not because you you liked them because of disrespect, but toward the end, the, um uh, yeah. They end up being the best part being best as friends at the toward the end. Uh so yeah, it's a that's another good example. Tiger and bunny.
1: The last thing I have under cultural is is that the spirit world is right there. It's always there. I,
0: I have an example right here. A perfect example. nairaku another crawling chaos. Naiarkusan is Naya, Naya Hoptep from Cthulhu Mythos as a little, as a uh, cute Moe girl who's also a bad? Can I say badass? Yeah, <laughs> she's a badass, super you know magical girl, and she's living with a guy who basically isn't magical at all. <laughs> yeah, it's right there in the backyard. Bam! There. Hi, hi. I'm 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 a Cthulhu Mytho. Hi. <laughs>
1: A lot of anime will have, as I said, animal spirits. They're literally there. Okay, Uh, they're characters. Sometimes that that they're an animal spirit is a secret. Usually pray to you know thanks for the food. It's it's done very casually, but it's almost always there. You know they go to shrines. They're superstitious. A lot of animes, of course, have you know an episode where something is haunted. and They've got to check it out. Maybe haunted, maybe it isn't. You know, but it's it's like they they acknowledge the the possibility of the supernatural, even when the anime really isn't anything about that. Okay, it seems to be a, a, an ongoing thing. Yeah, you know? I mean. Most in America, uh, most of the, the things we watch, they don't have religious figures very often inside of a, of, of a television series, unless it's about the supernatural, like Buffy or things like that. But uh, Firefly is a good example where they brought in the uh, the, me- the metaphysical and aspects of it with you know uh, Booker uh, or was it Book? Shepard no, Book. River. The, Book the priest. The priest. River. Book. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, and River well Shepard and river river Shepherd. was also
1: yeah and well river has like special esp powers but you know he he was the one who basically brought a kind of a, a spiritual grounding to the particular thing and and you find that all the time i mean it's it might be little things like you know the the you know the the, the garden in the back with the water uh, thing going the you know the tippity tippity thing that it does you know it might be just the sound of a, a drum that, that you might hear them playing you know uh, at at a temple you know it, it might be that they have a cultural festival uh, uh, during the anime at some point and everybody's there you know in in cultural things and you see the char- you know the mythological characters running around
0: the family shrine you know for, to the ancestors in the house.
1: Visiting the graveyards uh, that's something that they do a lot in anime, and if you want it in your friendsworth game or especially in your bureau thirteen game that would you know that would really bring that across and I think it's a good thing because you know again it, it, it improves the backstory it, you know it also stops the the monsters, if I may use the term from being just beings with superpowers a lot of games. You know where they have the supernatural, they pretty much just treat them as superheroes wearing fur, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. They 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 don't they don't bring across the the horror aesthetic uh, or the spiritual aesthetic very much, uh, and I, I really like that a lot. You know, this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there, so go explore them.
0: This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players.
5: This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next.
2: And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun.
3: Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tag Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucka, you best attribute this to the folks at tri Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers.